church this morning, and, um, but I want to read from the scriptures. Uh, whenever we gather, we're a people of word and spirit, and uh, we always pause to read from the scriptures. So from Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now, from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love hearing stories of God's church. Whenever I visit a church, whether I'm speaking or just on holiday and going to visit a church, I always wonder, how did it get here? What's the God story behind this group of believers? And Paul writing to the Philippians, he's writing to a church that he loves, that he knows well because he planted it, and it was born out of a move of God. And whenever you see a church, whether a gathering in a school or a church building, there was a move of God that made that happen. And we want to pray for more. So a move of God that directed Paul to Philippi. He had a vision. He was going in the other direction. He had a vision that directed him to Macedonia. And so he established the church in Philippi. He takes with him Luke, who writes the account in Acts 17, if you want to read it. There's Timothy, there's Silas as well. And along the way, there's key people in the story. The first convert would be Lydia, who opened her heart and opened her home to the church. Then there's a slave girl that's um, demonically oppressed. And Paul, I mean, he gets fed up because she keeps shouting at them. And he just delivers her, and she's part of that early church. And then there's the jailer, because Paul and Silas are in prison because of the uproar that's happening in Philippi. They get put in prison, and the jailer, through amazing circumstances of an earthquake and them being set free, he and his household believe, and they were baptized. And the church began in Philippi. I want to tell you the story of a church that I love, and that I know a little bit of the story of. And that's this church, Chipping Camden Baptist Church. The story so far, so if things work, bear with me, I'm, I'm techno, here we go. No, can we go back to that slide? If we go back, there we go. Now, let's see if this works. No, I'm going, am I going the wrong, there we go. Steve, sorry, that was my fault, not your fault, Okay. This is the history. So bear in mind, we are getting lunch at a certain time. We're starting at 1662, where there was a group of nonconformists that began to meet, because you will know that uh, people who were not part of the state church were banned in this country for a long, long time. But a group of nonconformists began to meet in Chipping Camden in 1662. And then in 1724, the Baptist church was formed in Chipping Camden. So we're coming up to our 300th anniversary in a couple of years' time. And then in 1867, the church actually closed for a time. 
And then in 1870, it reopened. And I've put the name of a guy there called Richie Irvin, who I thank the Lord for regularly. He's buried in our garden. And it, it was a proper graveyard <laughs> then. But he's buried there, and his tombstone is there. He had a vision. He wasn't, he wasn't an ordained minister. But he had a vision to come to Chipping Camden to reopen the church, to build the new church building that we have where we're having lunch, and to build the manse where Hermie and I live. So we're really grateful for Richie. He was here 10 years, accomplished all that, then died, and was buried in the graveyard in the back. But we thank God for people like him, because maybe the church wouldn't be here otherwise. And then we have this wonderful picture that I refer to often, and uh, it was only taken because of that uh, little banner there, which came from Romania. And so they took this uh, photo, and there were 13 members at the time in 1984. I don't know if you can recognize anyone. This is Jenny Arthi. And Phil, is Jenny here? Is Jenny here? You know I always do this to you. You haven't changed at all, so there you go. And Phil, who's on our sound desk, there we are. And um, I had the many of these were alive when we joined the church 26 years ago. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of sending some off to glory as they had run their race and been faithful to the end. But the Lord continued to build his church. And this is the photograph in 1994. So just 10 years later, Jenny's still there. There you go. And uh, the Lord had brought growth to the church, which we're really grateful for. And they were praying, Lord, for just God to move in our midst. If we go back to that other one, let's go back. Alice Benfield is a little, a wonderful lady, a hero of faith of mine. She reminded me when I first came to the church that uh, on one evening service, there were just three of them that met that evening. And it looked fairly dire. And they gathered around an old gas boiler uh, heater in the back room of the church and just prayed that God would bring revival to this church. And I just think, thank you, God, for people like that. And when we came in 1996... This was our vision statement, our mission statement, proclaiming Jesus Christ to people today, making disciples, building God's kingdom, serving our community, praying for revival, planting new churches, reaching the nations. First thing we had to do was alter the building because although it had served purpose for many, many years, it was now restricting what we could do. And uh, I remember the first thing we did, the first, uh, I went to see Alice because she was the sort of matriarch of the church. I went to see her, and as soon as I stepped over the threshold of her door, which was always open, she said, Philip, I know why you've come. <laughs> Hi, Alice. She said, you want to take out the pews, and you want to take out the organ, and you want to take out the pulpit, don't you? And I said, yes, we've got to. And she said, it's our fault, you know. I said, what do you mean? She said, we prayed for revival. <laughs> and she said to me, and this was her words, not mine, don't worry, Phil, none of the oldies will oppose it. 
Now, you think that's an easy thing to do, to take out pews and an organ and a pulpit of an established church building. I tell you, I've been in a church where that was the most horrendous church meetings I have ever been to. And I walked out of that uh, room, and she said another thing. She said, we did pray for revival, but we never thought it would come with drums. (laughs) And she said long as you promise me we'll have comfortable chairs. I said, we will have comfortable chairs. Sorry that we're meeting in a school now with uncomfortable chairs, but (laughs) there you go. So that was the building that we renovated. And we love it. And it's used every single day for lots of different activities. And um, again, so grateful to God for all that he's done. We've outgrown that building three times. The first time we outgrown it, we planted Star Valley Baptist Church. Second time we outgrew it, we planted the barn as it is now, Bidford and Avon Baptist Church then. And then the third time we outgrew it, we were praying about planting, and the Lord just uh, spoke very clearly about make more room, and we moved to the school, the biggest building in town at the time. There is a bigger building coming along, as you see, Sadly, we're not allowed to use it. So this is going to be our home for some time. It's going to be run as a theater company, and we've been told that certainly for the first three years, it's, it's not going to be available to church. Uh, but they want to revamp this hall, which we're grateful that we can come. So that was in. And this is just some of the vision fulfilling, some of the ministries um, You will know that Edward and I are not control freaks because we're just not built like that. And when people say, the church should be doing this, and I say, yeah, okay. Go on then. So we want to see every member ministry. We want to see people using their gifts. We want to see people exercising vision. And so out of the congregation have come all these different ministries. And there may be more that I couldn't fit on my sheet. The thing that we're really committed to is just telling people about Jesus. It's why we exist. The moment we stop telling people about Jesus, we stop, don't we? We've lost our way. So we're telling people about Jesus. It's a culture of invitation, whether that's personal witness, outreach events, Sunday midweek services, but particularly Alpha, we're coming up to our 55th consecutive Alpha course. Um, which is just marvelous that you've been inviting people constantly throughout those uh, last 26 years since 1996 when we established the Alpha Course. We've had 50 people on a course. We've had five people on a course. doesn't matter. And the success of Alpha is that we invite. We can't make people come and we can't make people Christians, but we can invite people. That's the success. And we wanted to focus a little bit more, since we've come back um, from COVID and things like that, on making disciples. And uh, Edward came up with this wonderful graphic, uh, which uh, we shared at the home group, at uh, the vision meeting. And uh, in terms of making disciples, the onus is on personal discipleship. has to start there. That in our prayer and in our Bible reading and in our joining together in fellowship, we grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. That, that's, you know... Top priority. If we're not feeding ourselves, we'll never grow as disciples. But we want to help that in terms of small groups, home groups, prayer triplets, and mentoring. And so we're trying to do that in uh, seeing groups established. Some are more geographic, some are not geographic. 
And these are the different ones that we have. And there's an Advent group starting in Camden. Over the years, we've had a group in Camden. We've had two groups in Camden. At the moment, we don't have any group in Camden. Um, but we are starting an Advent group that David and Wendy are going to be heading up. If there is not a home group near you, and you'd like to see one near you, come and talk to us. Because Edward did a map of where we have the existing home groups, where the, the sort of largest shaded in circles, but there are different other places that I've just written in where we have groups of people meeting that come to our church. We would, we would be open to seeing home groups established in those areas. Small groups, and these tend towards activity tasks or events, special focus, and there's so many that's going on. I, um, we ran out of room on the page, and there some of them go. There you go. Oop, do you wanna, should we go? That's it. Thank you. Just. And we're starting a new course, uh, Depth, which is a mid-sized group, which will be looking more in-depth at Bible study, and Edward and David will be sharing a bit more about that in the days to come. And then we're committed to prayer triplets in the church. I know lots of people pray with one another in different ways. Uh, prayer triplets is something we encourage. I was part of a prayer triplet for about oh, 12 or 13 years, and it was such a blessing. We met every week just to pray together. But also the other thing we encourage is mentoring in the church, uh, to find someone who's further on in the journey who you can relate to, who, who you might meet once a month or every two weeks or whatever, just to spend time with praying and maybe focusing on one thing. It may be for a season or it may be a longer time. But in terms of discipleship, we would love to see people mentoring one another to grow and gain wisdom and support. How do you find out more details? Well, look on our website. There's always more. Talk to any of the leadership team. So if you're on the leadership team, would you stand? There's Jan and Marilyn. There's Anne, Edward, Alan. Martin's helping Sarah cook. They're down at the church, and, uh, so, and David's preaching elsewhere. But do approach any of our, our leaders on the team. We, we, we value them so much. They're so wise. They're godly people filled with the Holy Spirit. And then one of the um, ministries or visions is serving our community. And Food Bank has been serving families in crisis over, for over 10 years. Uh, we've not had a, a week where we haven't been serving people. And uh, just this week, it was just such a joy to be there and just to welcome people. And, and um, I mean, there was one particular client who came who just said they were so blessed um, because, I mean, I, I, I don't know how other food banks operate, but th there's such a generosity in our food bank um, that people just feel loved and special when they come because some people come thinking they're just going to be shamed. But if they come and feel special and they feel loved and supported, we're proclaiming Jesus to them in acts of kindness. Um, there's Renew, which is a well-being cafe. It's okay not to be okay. The Ukrainian hub, which meets on a Monday morning for hosts and refugee guests. TLG is something that we support, a mentoring scheme in schools. The new Baby and You group that Verity's established, outreach to new parents and babies. Uh, Martin is involved with the Camden Money Management course. It's available online, but also he does courses and the Alpha course as well. And also in Stowe, um, as Joy is working as a missional listener in Stowe, she's opened this weekly cafe as an outreach in the town. And all of it is, all of it is grounded in prayer. 
We think back to Alice and her friends, think back to Jenny and David and the family. They were just praying and praying for the Lord to move in our midst. And so we gather. Because sometimes I'm asked, uh, believe it or not, I'm asked to go to other places and say, what is the secret? How do you grow a church? And I just go, I have no idea. I have no idea, but God did something. But what I do know is that people prayed. And so our challenge is, is we're to pray for those who will come after us, who will tell the story. It's so important to tell the story of a church so that you just don't think, this is how it was. No, it wasn't. There were three people once. And now there's different congregations, and I don't know how many we're gathering up to 500 or more across three places at the moment, because God moved. And so I know you pray in different places, but we have a monthly prayer meeting. It's just for an hour where we just cry out to God. It's called Hungry, and it's on Zoom at the moment, but in the new year, we're going to be meeting in person again um, when the weather gets a bit better, although it's nice today. But um, for the winter, we'll be meeting on Zoom. Details are on the notice sheet. Please do just join us for that hour, and if you can't, just pray for an hour a week where we cry out to God for revival. And it is tomorrow night, so... Do join us 7 o'clock tomorrow night as we pray continually for revival, which is part of our vision. And then planting churches. Uh, I've got the privilege of speaking at Star Valley next week, um, so I'll be joining them. And this was our first Sunday that we gathered together. Um, If you don't recognize me at all, I've got dark hair and uh, look a bit younger. And there's Daniel Pullum, who's the uh, minister, and you'll recognize other people as well in that uh, picture. But... We have a vision for church planting. We don't believe that we've seen everything that God is going to do amongst us. We want to see more churches established. And those of you uh, may remember when we planted at Bidford, and uh, that was the first gathering as well. Some of you are here, and you haven't changed at all, which is remarkable. And Stacy is there that we've been praying for this morning. Um, There she is. And Joy is our community listener in Stowe. It's a very different kind of um, planning for church planting. In the past, we've come out of home groups, and a home group has developed into uh, a church community. In Stowe, we don't have that at the moment, but I believe the Lord is gathering people ready. And in 2024, we hope to establish a new thriving fellowship in Stowe. And Joy is laying those foundations as a missional listener with that weekly community cafe. There's once a month worship and there's lots of other things. They've started a food bank and citizens advice and lots of other things. And we just want to pray into that, that that when the moment is right, um, the Lord will reestablish a work in Stowe because it it is difficult in Stowe. None of the churches are thriving. And we, we believe that God has put this on our heart for this season to pray into this, that we'll see a church established in Stowe on the Wold. And that's our staff team. You'll know us as you see us most weeks. And these are our lovely deacons that serve and pray for the life of the church. And Wendy is uh, here. I think I saw Wendy earlier. There you go. And Wendy is our Anna Chaplain. We're just so privileged to have Wendy as part of our church. And she's our Anna Chaplain, particularly in ministry for older people. And she has a real focus on residents of the Millhouse Care Home here in town. 
I wanted just to share that. We do it occasionally. Those of you who have been here years and years, you've seen it all before, I know. But it is important that we remember and we give thanks. And then it spurs us on to pray more and see God move in our midst. Because we, this is not all there is. There is so much more we want to see God do amongst us. So I'm going to pray. And then Alan and the band are going to lead us a time as we cry out to God uh, for more of his touch upon this fellowship, but also in this community that we'll see God's kingdom come.